So welcome to Confessions of a Serial Seller. I am so excited to have this guest on. He is a best-selling author. He's an international sales speaker. He's a coach. He's a consultant. He is a sales god. Author of three phenomenal books. Mike Weinberg, welcome to the show. You are overly generous, my friend, Tony. Thank you for fighting so hard to get me to join you. I'm so excited for this conversation with your audience. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. So, Mike, I always like to start for, for my listeners, just so they understand what your journey's been like when you got into sales and how you got to where you are now. Oh, my gosh. We're going to go in the Wayback Machine. You know, Please. Tony, here's what I'm going to tell you, and this is going to be really funny. As proud as I am to be a salesperson today, and I still say, even though I consult and speak, I'm a salesperson through and through. Yeah. I never wanted to be in sales. Never. My dad was a big time sales executive based out of New York City, and I thought it was so silly, and I was going to be a business guy. You know, I was yeah. too smart to be in sales. And uh, I had a, a job I hated early in my career, and then I ended up uh, working in a really cool company directly with the CEO, and he was also the chief salesperson for that company. Mm. And I got to go with him on our private jet to some of the biggest sales calls at our biggest customers. Wow. And as I watched him sell and I watched him mentor the local salespeople in the regions we would be visiting. Yeah. I learned very quickly that sales was not what I thought it was. Mm. It was not about pitching or manipulating or trying to pull something over. And it wasn't for dumb people. It was about consulting and helping and serving and solving problems and building relationships and creating better outcomes for your customers. And I, as I watched this guy work and I realized who was really good at selling, it hit me. I love this. I love yeah. helping people. I love building relationships. I love trying hard to get a meeting with someone that doesn't think they need to talk to you because your motivation is you think you can help them. You're going to keep trying to get in touch with them. So yeah. all of that in my early career shaped uh, what brought me into sales. And then once I got in it, mm. it was just natural. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm driven enough and I'm not scared of conflict. So I'm willing to push people to see me. And then I like having conversations and yes, I learned, you know, all that. And we'll get into like, you know, what, what makes you successful. But so that was my journey. And I, I was successful in three different companies where I ended up being a top producer, you know, number one person in all those companies. And fantastic. I never thought I would be teaching sales, let alone writing about sales or getting yeah. interviewed here to talk about sales. So that's all still very amusing to me. Yeah. Um, but it's in my blood. And, and I'll just say this now, and I'm sure we'll circle back because as we're recording this, we're both dealing with very serious issues in our own countries and we're on lockdown and we're praying for our governments and we're facing a pandemic. And, there's a big part of what's keeping me motivated right now to mm. write and talk with people is I feel like I'm, I'm trying to do my job to keep salespeople engaged and mm. alert and motivated and remind them, mm. no, you're not a nurse or a healthcare worker or a delivery driver keeping the economy going right now, mm. but you are on the front lines of the business war. Yes. You know, that accompanies this health war and we must do our job. We need to keep the economy going and, our mm. companies and our customers and our country is counting on us yes. to focus. So that's what's driving me right now. I love that. I love that. And Mike, you, you touched on three things there where you've clearly got it very, as you said, you're a, you're a natural salesperson. And the three things you said where you were driven, 
you weren't scared of conflict and you enjoyed conversations. And, and I think those three attributes, if you will, are key. What else in your valued opinion from the thousands of salespeople you've helped, what else is really needed to be a top sales performer? Wow, that's a great question, Tony. You know, it's interesting hearing you feedback my answer. I realize I've probably never answered it exactly that way. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, as you were describing it and from our, our pre-show conversation and, and your material that I've read, you're exactly the same, right? Mm-hmm. You love conversation, you're Absolutely. driven, and you're not scared of conflict, and you teach the same principles to your to your audience for sales. So it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting how we have such alignment there. And I think, honestly, if you look at people that are really good at developing new business, yep. they have those traits. Uh, you know, you, you asked, what would I add to that? Mm. Probably just a couple things. Um, one would be EQ, you know, emotional quotient, ability to be human and, and connect with other people. You know, today we're talking a lot about empathy because yeah. especially selling in this environment, we need to be so sensitive to our, our customers and their panic and their needs right now so we mm. don't come across as, you know, self-focused and selfish. Yes. Um, but I, I would say, um, along with the empathy, you know, the other side of that coin is really results oriented. Mm. The best salespeople I know are really competitive. Mm. And I, I mean, I talked to a guy last night. He's the guy that sells me my Volvo cars. Mm. I have a fun sports car. And then for, for 10 years, my practical car has been a Volvo. Yeah. And, um, He's the number one guy in North America. He sold 535 cars last year. I mean, that is wow. ridiculous compared to what the average person does. And I called him yeah. to see how he was doing. Yeah. And the first thing he told me was how many cars he sold already this month in <laughs> this that. very tough environment where we're on quarantine. Yeah. And he, he's wealthy. You know, he's made his money and he doesn't yeah. need really more. But he does this because he's so competitive. He wants to be at the top of the rankings. Yes. So... And he's got the other side. He's so lovable and he has high EQ. He's so relational, but he's got the competitor of, you know, the heart of a lion. So yes. I think if you lay those yes. on the things we first talked about. So I'm curious, what, what's, from your angle, what would you lay on top of those other characters? Yeah, gr- great question. I think, and you sort of touched on it about in terms of liking conversations. But I think for me, it's about being genuinely curious. And what I've, what I've noticed now, you know, interviewing sort of the, the, the top 50 salespeople in the world, and, and I consider you one of those, is that they, they are really interested, genuinely interested in their prospect and, they, and therefore their customer. And, and you know, and it's, it, they're not the sort of salesperson that wins, wins a deal and then moves on to the next. They really care about helping their clients get results. And that, that sincerity, I think, really shines through in everything they do. And, and, I, and I think the, the buyers today pick up on that. And, and I just don't think enough salespeople I work with care enough, you know? Wow, that's mm. good. Mm. You know, you've had Anthony Anarino on as a guest, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely, he's a legend. Yeah, you know, and he, he, he is a legend. I think, he, I think he might be the smartest guy in the sales improvement business. And I always mm. joke that, you know, I'm, uh, we're, we're similar, but he's smarter and he's yeah. more sophisticated to the approach. Yeah. But you got hair, you got hair, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have hair. Yeah. I, we always joke. I'm more likable than he is. He's just yeah. smarter. 
But, yeah. um, you know, I go to, when I need sales advice, I go to him. And yeah. um, he always is reminding his audience that sales is not something you do to somebody. Mm. It's what you do with somebody for somebody. Mm. And, you know, that's brilliant. And that's what you were just articulating, right? It's yeah. you care. You yeah. truly want the best outcome. My dad taught me this when I first got into sales. Mm. He, sa he sat me down and he said, you need to understand this. He goes, your job in sales is to make the customer win. And yes. if you're always motivated to help the customer win, you're always going to win. Yeah. And that means you sell with integrity. And sometimes you walk away because it's not the right thing for the, for the client. Yes. Or you, you point them another direction. And that has served me so well. And that's really what Anthony was saying. And that's what you're saying, right? With me, totally. I care. Totally. I, I want them to have the best outcome. Absolutely. And I want to pick up on something, Mike, you shared. And I, I agree with you about EQ and having that ability to build instant rapport by, you know, empathy and gaining trust. But some salespeople, I think, really struggle. They're quite uncomfortable in their own skin and building that, that rapport you know, that's required early on in the journey. What's your best advice for my, my listeners of how they can build that empathy and rapport quickly? Well, that, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a couple of ways we can approach that. Let me, let me go with the biggest one first. Mm. Um, aside from having the right mindset and attitude that you're there to help and you're not calling them, and I know you love talking about prospecting, right? Mm. And, and initiating contact. You're not calling to bother them. Yes. You're calling to help them. Yes. And yes, you're an interruption, but your motivation is because you think they're stuck and yeah. they probably have some less than optimal situation or solution. And you're calling because you think you, you, you got a better answer for them. So, yes. so that's the mindset piece. I think the other real critical piece is your messaging. I call it your sales story. It's my, one of my very favorite sales topics. It's mm. in chapter eight in New Sales Simplified, and it's mm. chapter 10 in my latest book, Sales Truth. Mm. I talk about compelling messaging. And the key to having a great story that attracts prospects and, mm. and gets them to put their defenses down and want to engage you for a dialogue mm. versus um, having their defenses go up and then resisting you. Mm. The key for that message is you lead with the things that are on their mind. And mm. if we start our message by articulating the value we create, which means the problems we solve, mm. the pains we remove, the opportunities we help them capture, mm. and the new and better results that our solution delivers for them. Mm. When we lead with those things, instead of saying, we're so great, we're the best, here's our unique process. Yeah. The difference is night and day because one is others focused and one is all about us. So, so if you really want to demonstrate empathy and EQ and care, yeah. one, it's your attitude that you're for them and you're communicating that you're calling because you think you have something that may help them. And then when you start to talk or, or message in writing, you start, you start sharing how you're helping other people in positions like theirs. And maybe yes. you name their title, yes. CFO, controller, manufacturing managers, yes. or their type of company right? Yeah. Dental offices, manufacturers, dealerships, whatever the type of customer look to us when they're struggling with A yeah. and they're tired of problem B and they want to achieve result C. Yes. And so, so I, I put a lot in that answer, Tony, but what, what I'm saying is if you can very quickly get to describing how you help, mm. and when I say help, it's problems you solve and outcomes that you create. 
Yes. Everything changes. And immediately the prospect sees you as someone who is there to help them. And because you're listing things that are on their mind that they care about, you're much more likely to not only be likable, but to earn a conversation. I love that. I think that's gold. Uh, you touched on your couple of your books there, and I, I do want to, to I want to hear about those and get some your top nuggets out of them. But before I do, I just want to I want you to think back, Mike, in your career in sales, and and I want you to answer this for me. What's which one sale really stands out for you, head and shoulders above the rest, in terms of what you're probably most proud of, and I want to know why. And then I also want to know what's been the best lesson you've taken from a sale. And it might be the, the same sale you're thinking about. It could be completely different. But I'd love to get your, your thoughts on those two. Wow. Okay. The sale I'm most proud of and then the biggest lesson, huh? Yeah. Okay. I think the sale I'm most proud of goes back to a long time ago in the late 1990s mm. where I was selling direct marketing programs and I was the top salesperson in a, in a company um, right during the, the internet bubble. And we were still selling an older technology mm. and a solution. And the reason I'm probably most proud of this one is because it wasn't like my typical sale. Typically, I would prospect my way into an account. Mm. I'd call a bazillion times. I'd convince them to meet with me. I would get the meeting. Mm. I would, I would be charming. I would ask great questions. I would tell a story. They would admit they had a problem Mm. and eventually I would get an opportunity to prove that I would, we could do their, you know, their jobs well and I would earn the business. Mm. This particular client was very sophisticated, very large and didn't, didn't let on that they had issues. So it took a long time to break into them. There was a company uh, in a city about five hour drive from where I live. Yeah. city called Memphis, Tennessee. And they were a giant prospect. And it took a long time to earn a meeting. When I finally earned the meeting, it went very well. They were very gracious, but they were also very much um, confident in their current way of doing things and told me that mm. there's a very little chance we would do business. Mm. And I thanked them for their honesty. And I said, I would keep in touch. And, mm. you know, I, I said, when things aren't as, as rosy right now as they are, you, you see them to be, or you have challenges, I'd love to help you, or I'd love to be a backup. But, yeah. and I would just continue to share with them, you know, there's a lot of issues we're solving for companies like you. Yes. Well, over the course of a year and a half, I nurtured the relationship and made it very clear to them that I wasn't going to go away because they looked so much like other companies that loved us and were raving fans of how we took care of them. Brilliant. And I don't know what happened on their end, but maybe, I don't know, a year and a quarter or so into this, they called me and said, would you please come back and see us again? Mm. And I went in there and they handed me some opportunities and said, if you could put together a proposal for this, uh, we're interested. Mm. And it was a lot of negotiating and a lot of work, but we ended up winning a very big chunk of their business and then winning uh, uh, you know, millions of dollars of business over the long run. And part of the reason I'm proud of that, I guess, is one, as I said, it was a very long sales cycle and it was very different than my typical sale. Yes. And it just, it reminded me that it's kind of what Jim Rohn, who's one of the fathers, right, of the sales help, Absolutely. self-help movement, said, you know what no should mean to a salesperson? Not nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. The same thing it means to a little kid. It doesn't mean they're not happy. It doesn't mean no. It doesn't mean not now. It doesn't mean they're not a good prospect. It just means you're asking and they've said no, but you got to keep trying. 
Mm. So perseverance uh, and and relationship won me that sale. You yeah. know, not not prospecting. So so that really um, that just stuck with me. I love and that. I love that. Before we jump into it, a lesson, I, I want to ask yeah. that, you know, you mentioned the word perseverance. How, in your opinion, how many times should a salesperson keep knocking, you know, for a prospect they want to work with? It's a great question. I, I think the only way to answer that is to use the phrase, it depends on the opportunity cost. Because mm. you, you and I get asked this all the time. Yeah. When do I give up? Well, my answer always is, it depends how significant the opportunity is mm. and how much time is it taking you. You know, if you're a prisoner of hope, that's a phrase from another sales trainer. If you're a prisoner of hope yeah. and you think you're going to get this business and you're not working other opportunities and you're betting that it's going to come through for you, well, then you're a fool, right? Yeah. Prisoners of hope usually starve to death. Yeah. But if it's a giant opportunity like that and, and you feel like in a, in a few minutes a week, you can, you can try to advance the ball down the field, mm. down the pitch in your world, right? You, yeah. you, you are uh, putting a little bit of effort to build relationship, to add value, to drip uh, a touch on them. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, a recent success story, a white paper, uh, an article, something. Absolutely. And it's not really taking a lot of your energy and your time. Then yeah. I would say you never give up. Yes. Because you don't know what's going to happen because I have this situation. I work with um, a trucking company here in the U S very big American truck brand, you know, heavy duty trucks. Mm. And I'll be in the truck with one of my sales guys that are coaching, you know, his team and, and we'll drive right by a, a gigantic potential customer that has a hundred trucks of his competitor in their yard. Mm. And I'll say, why don't we go in there and make a prospecting call? Mm. And the guy will look at me and say, no, they're, they're with the competitor. You know, they're, they're, they love them. Yeah. And I'll say, that's exactly why I'm asking you. Why don't we go in there and make a call? Because you don't know what happened yesterday. What if they're pissed off? Absolutely. What if the competitor dropped the ball? What if they changed something and now they're not happy? Yeah. And the guy will look at me and go, well, you know, I was in there like seven years ago and they were very happy. And I'm thinking, <laughs> that's why you stink at sales because you have yeah. no hope yeah. and you don't try. So, you know, it, I don't know. Does that answer your question? I think it really Hopefully. depends. Uh, 100%, I'm on the same page. And the other thing I say on that, two things you touched on is obviously it's the size, the opportunity, but I'm always thinking as well, who do they know? So I, I look at opportunity twofold. One is I want to win that piece of business for ABCD reasons, but I also know they're a very well-connected person. And, and I believe when I can demonstrate value and give them a huge ROI in their world, I know they'll become a raving fan and you introduce me to some powerful connections. And I, I call them my whale because my whale, you, you know, the biggest customer you could ever win. It's not sometimes just about the people you're prospecting, but it's their connections, right? Yeah, it's good. That's mm. really good. I, I love, I love how you put that. Mm. What's your, yeah. And what would you say your biggest lessons came from that deal or, or do you feel you've, you've get, you've won or learned better things during your journey? Yeah, you know, the, I, I think the biggest, I don't know that that's the biggest lesson. I think that was just rewarding. I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that the top of the funnel is more important than the bottom of the funnel. Mm. And I preach that and most of the guys that you've interviewed share some version of the same thing. Mm. Um, most people want to, when you go to help a sales team, a lot of times I get asked for help with closing. 
Yeah. And how do I get this deal closed? And at the end of the day, 90% of the salespeople don't have closing problems. They have opening problems. Totally. You know what I'm saying? They, totally. It's not that they can't get a deal closed. It's that they don't put enough stuff on the top of the pipeline. So they don't have enough things to work. When your funnel is full, Jeb Blunt talks about this beautifully. Mm. You sell differently. You have an abundance mentality and you, mm. you operate better. And you know, Jeb's, Jeb's recent book uh, called Inked, I-N-K-E-D, like inked the deal. Yep. Yep. It's, about it's about negotiating. And, and mm. he shares a lot of stuff in there that I preach when it comes to pipeline management. And he, he's brilliant the way he articulates it. I mean, it's, you sell better when your pipeline's full because you're not willing to give things away and you yeah. own your sales process. And if you, if yeah, totally, totally, Tony. Mm. And if, if people would spend more time worrying about putting opportunities in the top of the funnel yeah. instead of whining that the company doesn't give them enough leads, if, if yeah. instead they would work to create their own opportunities, which is why I wrote Sales Truth, yes. to debunk the myths about how you create opportunities and you actually do your own prospecting and you, and you do your own outreach and you have good messaging and you have the right attitude and you fill your calendar with time spent creating opportunities, not just trying to close them, everything would change. So that's probably my biggest lesson because salespeople that have full pipelines yeah. have better lives. That, I, that's as simple as I could say it. No, that's, that's lovely. I absolutely love that. I, w I want to touch on your books, Mike. As I said, I've, before the show, I've read New Sales Simplify, which I loved, and I can't wait to get Sales Truth. Um, hopefully a signed copy by your good self. But um, I share with my, my listeners one your, your top tip from all three of your books. Wow. First of all, great question. No one ever asked it that way. I, I'm, you're going to get me to think. Yeah. Um, and then let me, let me say this. When we're done with this pandemic, my pleasure would be to deliver that book to you so I can join you in a 500-year-old pub drinking slightly too warm and slightly yeah. undercarbonated beer. That would be so, wonderful. That, that, <laughs> spoken like a true American, right? Like, Absolutely. So, I'll hold you to that. Not, nothing like visiting your country. I, uh, I can't wait to get back. Absolutely. I, I think all of us are ready to get through this crisis oh, and, tell and me return to the, the things we love. So, tell me um, about The it. number one lesson, number one takeaway from each book, Okay. Um, new Sales Simplify was my first book. It's the how to develop new business. And it's the one that's become a classic. It's, yeah. I can't even really talk about this book without sounding like I'm bragging. I'm just amazed at the response. It's, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, it was, you know, hats off to you. It was a phenomenal oh. book. So you deserve everything you got for it. Oh, thank you. I didn't expect it. I, I just was trying to write the simple truth because there's so much confusion about what to do to win new business. So yeah. The, the number one lesson in that book is that sales is simple. Your business may be complicated, but there's only four or five things you need to do to develop new business. Mm. And, and it means you need a really good target list of, of whose business you want to go after. Mm. If you don't have that, you're just playing. It's just yeah. a hobby. You need a very strategic, finite list of accounts you're going to pursue. Yeah. They might be existing customers you can grow. And for many salespeople, those are non-customers. They're, they're prospects that you're going to try to bring on board. Mm. Um, the second part of, of the simplicity is you need to have weapons that work, that you shoot at those targets. And the, the most important weapon is your message, your story. We talked about that. Yeah. And then all you really need in sales after that story is the ability to prospect, which means to get a meeting. Mm. And then you need the ability to conduct a good meeting, mm. which means you know how to structure a meeting. A sale, we call them sales calls in the U.S. You yeah. know, and you, you, when you have a discovery meeting, 
you know how to structure it and share your agenda and build rapport and tell your story and ask great questions yeah and then tie your presentation to what you learn from your discovery and then you you flesh out objections and you and you define a next step that's a good meeting yeah so if you have a good target list you have a good story you can secure a meeting and then run a good meeting the only other piece left is do you own your calendar do you manage your time are you disciplined enough to spend enough time selling instead of just babysitting yes. or other stuff that salespeople do? So yes. that's the message from New Sales Simplified. Sales is simple and you would be amazed. Sometimes I go into the most sophisticated companies and having that conversation and then coaching them on those four or five topics, yeah. we fix their sales problem. So that's yeah. sales, sales Simplified. Sales Management Simplified is a framework for how to lead a sales team. Mm. And the biggest takeaway in that book, aside from how to manage your talent, is a very foolproof way to do accountability with salespeople mm. where you're really hard on results and you have a healthy high performance culture, but you're not an asshole, you're not a micromanager, and you don't demotivate your people. Yes. And I share a very, a very simple framework that is foolproof for going through results, pipeline, and activity in that order in a way that you can hold people accountable in a 15 minute meeting one-on-one -on -one, and not demotivate them and get the culture exactly where you want it. That's the single biggest takeaway from that and book. How did you um, devise, Mike, just jump in there. How did you devise, create that framework? I stole it. How's that? Love my, that. My, mentor, my mentor and my friend and my former business partner, Donnie Williams, one of the great human beings on this planet. Yeah was my boss in the 1990s. And he yeah. used to hold me accountable with that framework. And then we were business partners for about four years. Yeah. And I watched him teach this to sales leaders and it was so good that I started teaching it. And when I write about it, he gets all the credit. And today yeah. he's back in consulting. He left for a while and was leading sales teams. He's back and I give him a bazillion leads to go do consulting. And everywhere I go, I preach, this is Donnie Williams methodology. It's Love so good. That. Love that. So, so that was a big takeaway there. And then sales truth, um, there's a couple big takeaways, but one of them is to be very careful. Mm. Um, the first half of the book is me being somewhat righteously angry mm. and venting about the sales improvement community and mm. some people you and I were even talking about before we started recording. Yes. Because there's a lot of lies and there are a lot of agendas yes. and there's a lot of nouveau nonsense. If you go on LinkedIn looking for sales advice, yeah. The the crap that is put out that's supposedly credible. Yes. Is so scary. And what happens is with some of these online experts who, you know, don't really have books and they don't even have much business, but they like to tell salespeople everything has changed and yeah. nothing that used to work in sales still works. And should yeah. you dare pick up the, the telephone, you're a fool, you're a Luddite from the dark ages and a yeah. dinosaur. You should fail. And then they preach stupid shit like Hey, Gary V is your role model for how to be a business to business salesperson. You, yeah. know, you should get online and drop your F bombs in your video and look real cool. And that's going to bring a lot of people to you when you're selling, you know, business to business sales. Yeah. Or, or there's a social selling expert, you know, uh, who, who talks about, um, you know, Kylie Jenner is the, the proof that social selling works. You know, you should yeah. take Instagram selfies and post those and, you know, people will follow you and when they're ready to buy, they'll come knock on your door. Let me tell you something. I don't know one business to business salesperson who works for a company selling pharmaceuticals or defense products or printing yeah. or consulting or 
you know, plug in manufacturing or uh, heavy equipment or what plug in the type of company that we work with. Right. Yeah. Who's making a living because they post on Instagram. Absolutely. It's one thing you're a celebrity or a trainer or a thought leader, but they preach this nonsense that doesn't work. So the number one takeaway from sales truth is everything has not changed. And then I go in the second half of the book and I show what's working today. Yes. What are the best sales people doing to set themselves apart, to be value creators, to not get commoditized and all that stuff. That that's the big takeaway there. Love that, Mike. I love that. I love that summary. I want to I want to end on this. I mean, you've shared some absolute nuggets with with my listeners what would you say is your you mentioned something earlier with you know the great Anthony and arena so i want to something slightly different what would you say has been the most valuable tip that you've ever been given that served you the best in sales and not what your dad told you and not what anthony and arena said about you know we we work together what what's your number one tip number one number one best bit of advice rather you've been given that I've been given. Mm. Follow your process, your process, mm. as my friends would say, right? Yeah. Uh, in yeah. The, the best tip, and some of this came from, I mean, all of my friends that I read, whether it's uh, the guys like Jeb and Mark Hunter and Anthony and, yeah. and those guys, or it's some, some guys that have been doing it longer, like Dave Curlin or, um, there's a book by a guy named Mahan Khalsa about um, owning your sales process. And, and, mm. and the tip was don't just do what the customer tells you to do because mm. what they're leading you to do is not always in your best interest. Mm. And you have to stand up for yourself and you have to have your own rules. And, and we're, we are going to be more respected and win more deals at, at better prices Yes. And, and have better types of clients if we don't just do everything they ask us. Because the way I say it is nobody wins a deal by scoring obedience points. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not an order taker. You're a value creator. Yeah. So if you don't want to get commoditized, you got to tell people that you're trying to work with what is best for them and how you like to work and not just answer their requests for proposal or do your dog and pony show just because someone said, Hey, show up and tell me your capabilities. Like, yeah, that doesn't work. So I, those tips I've, I've accumulated from lots of people older and younger that I've, I read and that I would pass that on to the community. Amazing. Amazing. Mike, I, I cannot thank you enough for giving me your valuable time today. Where can my listeners reach out, access your books and, and read some of your great content? I know you post. Oh, you're so kind. Well, my website is real simple. It's just my name, Mike weinberg.com uh w-e-i-n-b-e-r-g mikeweinberg.com yeah um the books honestly amazon is in most countries is the best way to get the book um and then on, on social channels my uh my handle is mike underscore weinberg on twitter and on instagram perfect well i'll make sure you know my listeners reach out to you and and thank you once again so much for sharing some absolute gold with me and my audience and uh, and look oh, on what are you kidding totally my pleasure and i wish you well as you're making an impact on the community uh, of salespeople. and uh i thank wish uh, all of my friends in the uk uh well as we fight this virus and here here's my message yeah um stay positive uh choose positivity and perseverance yeah. Over panic and pity parties, we will get through this. Absolutely. There will be great days, great days ahead. And we have a role as sales leaders and salespeople 
to, to help get the world through this. And we will. And we will. Absolutely. I love that. Great message. Stay safe, Mike. And an absolute pleasure having you on my show. Oh, cheers, Tony. Thank you. Cheers.